Creative Reboot, the ultimate podcast for creative souls, small business owners, side hustlers and dream chasers. I'm Carla, brand photographer and visual magic maker for colourful, magical weirdos and also a professional multipod. And I'm Sarah, creative copywriter and branding photographer for awesome female business owners and aspiring author. This week, we've got a fabulous guest who has quite an epic list of skills and accomplishments. A fellow writer, writing for marine conservation organisations, she's also a PR consultant. And I have to mention that she's been published in National Geographic, which I'm extremely envious about. She calls that a humble brag, but we think she should be shouting that from the rooftops. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to jump straight in with um, with a, a, a question which is we probably know is coming, um, which is, can you, it's, it's wonderful to have you. Can you tell us a bit more about um, who you are and what you do in your own words? Yes. So I'm Melissa. I'm a copywriter and a PR consultant. And yeah, as you mentioned, I focus when I'm properly niching down on marine conservation. I also work with other conservation organizations, uh, NGOs, and sustainability and for-purpose companies. So a bit of a mix, but yeah, wherever I can, I try and get back to the ocean. So whether that be kind of writing or doing consultancy with marine conservation organizations, or whether it be trying to get my hands dirty and doing a little bit of field work as well, and trying to pretend that I'm a scientist, whereas actually I'm just (laughs) (laughs) love science. I'm super fascinated by it. But yeah, my background is in kind of literature and comms. So I came to the marine science from a very different angle to a lot of my other friends in the industry. I love that blend, though, of of science and literature. It seems to be, you know, two things that people think can't really go together. So, you know, something very art, creative and and, and then the, the, the science side of things. But it feels like you, you've blended them together in a lovely yeah. way. And I think, and I might just be saying this because I'm not a biologist, but for me, being in communications, I feel like not being a scientist can actually be really helpful because Mm. if I'm coming at something from outside, if I can understand it and explain it in a way that, you know, you or my mum or my mate down the pub can understand it, then I know that I'm communicating that well. And sometimes when you're really, really deep into something, and actually sometimes, you know, I think we can all do this in our own sectors, you start assuming knowledge and using jargon, Mm. and actually people can kind of lose your meaning sometimes. So it gives me a nice uh, reality check sometimes, I think, when I'm working with these organisations, to step back and say, actually, before I started focusing on this work, would I understand what I was saying if I was talking yeah. in this way? Which is a really good, I think it's a good blend, actually, because, mm. I mean, one of my previous roles was um, communications and web for um, the University of Essex, and one of the departments I looked after was the, it was then biological sciences, it's called something oh, different now, I don't know what. And I had a similar thing with the academics, is I would say, tell me about your course, and they would tell me, and I'd be like, okay, and I'd listen, and I'd say, okay, now tell me, so that your five-year-old could understand, because <laughs> I've got to get a 17-year-old onto it, and I can see that you love your stuff, but that is not going to work on the website, because no one understands, like, yeah, so I think that's actually an amazing um, blend to have, so that you can, because um, obviously the, the core of communications, and, and I'm guessing PR as well, actually, is getting a message across very clearly as succinctly as possible yeah absolutely um, so pe- that it can be understood and, and absorbed and spread yeah exactly if people don't understand what you're saying then you know <laughs> you're not going to get to the point you're not going to affect any behavior change or you know have that impact that you want to have so as you say yeah being clear and succinct is is so important mm. I love that. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. I'm, I'm very, I'm intrigued because I, I love a good, we love a good multipod on this podcast. We do. So I don't know if that is, a, that's a term you've come across. It's my <laughs> word for um, thriving on multiple things. And that definitely sounds like you've got all kinds of different things going on to make, make your blend. So how, if you're happy to share, how did all of this come about? How did you kind of get to a point where you've got this wonderful mix? Um, because they're not, as, as Sarah said, they're not things that necessarily always go together naturally. Mm. Like how did you find that niche and where did that tell us a bit about that if you yeah will. absolutely so the kind of boring cv standard answer bit is <laughs> that I've you know worked in PR consultancies actually agencies and in-house for my entire career basically um, and I got to the point 
about, would have been four or five years ago, that I burnt out, I was done with London, and I decided I wanted to do something completely different. Uh, but kind of rewinding before, actually, I started in PR or anything like that, I learned to scuba dive when I was at university. Uh, and I was, I think I must have been about 20-ish. And I was going on holiday and my travel agent talked me into it because I was going to Australia. And she said, well, you can't be near the Great Barrier Reef and not learn to Without scuba dive. Without seeing it, yeah. I, I right. 100% agree with that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really much of a water baby. I grew up in Reading and, oh, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, kind of was always a bit indoorsy and kind of bookish as a kid really so I thought oh well you know I'll give it a go and hated every single second of the training oh wow I don't know if you guys have ever dived at all but when I haven't my husband does so I've heard all about the process I did the um yeah, I did the, did the, the, like, the entry maybe. entry level, but I haven't done... Um, I know I never got out, I never got as far as a pool. Um, sorry, I never got as far as getting out of the pool. Uh, yeah. I've done some free diving, which I much preferred, but I did not get on with scuba, which is a shame because it's a beautiful way to see things, but yeah. Yeah, so I was so. probably the same as you, sitting at the bottom of the pool, having to take my mask on and off and having little tantrums about it. <laughs> and just, I'm quite stubborn, so I gritted my teeth and was like, well, I just need to get to the end of this course and then I'll never do it again. And <laughs> once I got into the ocean, that all changed, basically. And oh, I wow. just loved it. And I remember coming home and thinking, well, it's a shame. I was living in Bristol at that point. I was like, it's a shame that I live in a city because I'm never going to be able to do that again. Mm. And then a year or so later, I was on holiday and I was by the coast and I saw a dive shop and decided to do a little refresher. And then it kind of snowballed. You know, I started planning holidays to go diving and then I started as a little side hustle writing for Diver magazine so I could actually Ah. you know plan to go to cool diving destinations to cover them as an article Mm -hmm. and then yeah looking back now I see the path of communications and kind of diving and marine interests gradually edging together until the burnout that I talked about I quit and then while I was working my notice, I was thinking, oh, maybe I could do something with marine conservation. I've always been interested in it. Um, and there was a fair amount of research and thinking, actually, I can't go back to, you know, school or university, depending which side of the pond your, your listeners are on, to re-study as a marine biologist. And I reached out to a scientist that I knew and I said, you know, am I looking in completely the wrong places because it looks like either you have to pay a lot to volunteer and maybe not have that much impact Mm -hmm. or you have to retrain as a scientist and you know I don't think that's the way for me either and um, it turns out Simon the the scientist that I was talking to he was like did you email me because I have my own marine conservation charity and I thought what (laughs) do you Um, and they'd actually been they were on the lookout for someone to help with their comms. So I sent my CV over, we had some chats, I had an interview with the CEO who was based in London. And um, yeah, fast forward a couple of months, I was on a flight to Mozambique. And uh, that was where I kind of officially started specialising in marine conservation communications, as it were. I am loving this story. (laughs) This is is awesome. It's a beautiful, it just feels like everything naturally found its way to you, didn't it? And it it just, it just like a a combination of the suddenly discovering this love of diving and then just, just the way it all kind of weaves together. It's just perfect. It's like, there was, it feels like, as you say, I, I, I'm okay getting a little bit woo woo now I do wholly believe that the universe is looking out for us all and it just that's what it kind of it feels like that 
they, there was someone was watching you or the, the universe was watching you going Melissa we're gonna we're gonna get you where you need to be Good. you know so. I also I, I just think it's a it's a much better you're right much better story than the the oh. boring CV version yes, yes. <laughs> not that it's boring yeah, in any way working, but you know yeah. the the kind of yeah the, the kind of shortened version that you have to put for yeah no that's an amazing story I love that um and I love I actually I love I think the thing I love the most is that you didn't know that he had the charity yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't like you'd gone there looking for that and then it just yeah it just fell into place no I know it was slightly embarrassing when he said that because I was like I should probably know this <laughs> about you <laughs> but, um but no I was genuinely just like help I'm really you know Google was not was not working out for me yeah and um and I genuinely as well I didn't even think he'd reply to my email it was two years ago that I'd interviewed him for an article and I'd followed him on social media kind of since then. So he was front of mind, I guess. But I was like, you know, he's this super important shark scientist. He's not going to reply to some girl being like, oh, I think I want to do something in marine conservation. Because, you know, people get yeah, these emails guess, all the time. So, so. Mm. I don't know. I think the really nice thing about that, I mean, I love I love that someone has the even the unofficial title shark scientist. That just <laughs> makes my, me very happy on a very deep level. Um, but I I think, sometimes the thing that we forget with our creative journeys is that we all like none of us none of us arrived out of the womb being whatever we are now so i think probably he would have remember like remembered when he'd started not started but you know what i mean yeah it's, it was nice it's nice to be able to help someone when you can we've yeah. all um, been that person on the basis that we've all been that person point, we've all been that we? person yeah. looking yeah, yeah looking for a way into the thing that we really want to do yeah definitely. absolutely so, and, and it oh, is very this. much a journey as well it sounds like that you've taken it's it's and, and still on it as well i, I have to ask is, yeah yeah so looking at that beautiful journey to where you are now how does how does the pr um side of things uh, fit into all of that now how do you how does it because it feels to me like it's two quite different things, but not as well at the same time. I don't. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit. There are kind of different strands, I suppose, to what mm. I do. There's obviously the editorial side, so still doing bits of writing for magazines, online, that kind of thing. Usually, now my focus is when a new scientific study comes out, and then writing about that, as you say, in a way that people can understand. Um, I also do copywriting and PR for various organizations um, and startups and freelancers and that kind of thing as well. So it actually ties together quite closely in some senses. Um, You know, it's all kind of external communications um, and looking at the strategy of what I tend to focus on is if you're you know, a freelancer or a small business or a charity, what is your message and who do you want to get that message to? And then joining the dots essentially to, you know, say your audience is professionals in the supermarket industry, for example, you're going to want to get into the Grocer magazine, which Mm -hmm. is one of the trade titles. And then thinking about, you know, what content, do they cover what kind of news do they want how do they talk about it and then pulling together a press release or a strategy or whatever it is to get into that particular publication or range of publications so um, I'm doing not ocean related but I'm doing some PR work with the guide dogs at the moment oh Oh, that's very cool which is yeah I always get that reaction. Land seals. I was so I'm we we um I'm also a mermaid. I don't know how much you know about the mermaiding community, but I'm also a professional mermaid, and we refer to uh, dogs as land seals. Most people say that seals are sea dogs, and I think it should be the other way around. So Absolutely. That's cool. yeah. I, I like that. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. Um, oh. But yes, sorry, guide dogs. Carry on. I got sidetracked because no, I was no, thinking no. of fluffy guide dogs. I mean, it's an easy thing to get sidetracked. Absolutely, definitely. Um, So yeah, for them, it's kind of, you know, a focus more on their their PR and helping with their media outreach. With other organisations, it might be more of a focus on their copywriting with a bit of advice on their PR or not at all. Um, And then I do little consultancy, consultancy sessions as well. So for that's usually for freelancers and small businesses that are kind of thinking 
well, I think I need to do some external communications to get myself out there a little bit, but I don't know where to start. I've never done it before. And helping them come up with a bit of a strategy that is manageable and makes sense for their situation. Um, I find yeah, that it isn't just like throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping for the best, which I think some of some things can feel like if you don't know what you're doing, can't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I find it quite interesting as well. The, the, uh, so uh, from, from my point of view, I've always sort of thought of PR as being for much bigger businesses than than mine you know my my little one woman band here um do you find that you do you work do do you find that there are a lot of small businesses that approach you as far as like PR goes you know are are you or is it does it tend to be more you know larger companies yeah it's a bit of a mix I think when I am working with small companies or you know kind of solopreneurs or you know Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call yourself if you're a one man or woman band um that's such a common thought you know you can only do PR if you're a big organization with a big Mm. team and actually that's not true at all um okay I think everyone can do PR I think everyone can do their own PR as well which you know a lot of PR agencies will hate me for saying um (laughs) but you know you don't necessarily have to have big budgets to pay a big agency to do a big campaign for you it's all about thinking in a really targeted way and tailoring your communications as I say to something that's right for you and reaching your audience in the right place because you could say spend five grand on an agency to do a big news generation piece for you that gets a massive splash in the daily mail or one of the tabloids that's read by heaps and heaps of people but if your potential audience or customer isn't there and it's not getting the right message to them then you're just as you say throwing spaghetti at the wall it's not you know it's not going to be effective and actually you know potentially you could do a nice Q&A interview with a magazine that's focused on the sector of the people that you work with and talking about things that are relevant and helpful to them and then you know you're going to have people reading that and maybe not necessarily contacting you immediately but they might clock you as someone that could be helpful to their business in the long term so it's thinking about what's going to be really effective Mm -hmm. um and everyone can do that you know if you're running your own business you are skilled enough to speak to a journalist you know read a few magazines and make a few approaches and it doesn't have to be anything huge and overwhelming no which I I think is actually that's that probably leads quite nicely to this question that's sort of brewing for me which is where how where how that's two questions I was gonna say where where does it fit and then how does it fit which is kind of the Mm. same the same thing but different so in terms of kind of an overall strategy for a small business because the the majority of our listeners are creative tiny businesses like one one like you say solopreneurs uh, one person um how does it because I think I think it can feel very overwhelming um although actually you've just made it sound a lot less overwhelming just Mm. in the way you've described it but should it be something that is a regular thing or should it be something like is is PR something that should be kind of a regular part of your strategy or is it something that is more for when you are I don't know launching a new product or like how does that kind of because I think that's I I do think actually Sarah's hit the nail on the head that it feels very big and alien for well uh, to kind of add to yours there Carla my my sort of thinking is um, I say I'm someone who does not understand about PR at all it's not not something that's ever really come up up onto my radar although where you kind of explained there about perhaps an interview on something that 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 reaches your industry I've I've, I've inadvertently done that so I've obviously done my own PR at some point but is it is it part of a wider marketing strategy or is it its own thing entirely or yeah that feel like that kind of carries on from what Carla was saying there yeah absolutely I'll um I feel like there's a few questions in there I'll try and unpack all of that but do not even necessarily sorry I didn't even necessarily need to mean to focus in on the PR but just from what you said there I was like oh this is really interesting and it's mm. not something actually we've covered on the podcast at no, all it's so not. Mm. it's very exciting to yeah. yeah so I would say completely right in terms of it's an element of your bigger marketing mix okay and I think as you say probably a lot of people have 
done their own PR without maybe necessarily realizing or thinking mm. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you throw the words PR and or journalist in there, it's suddenly really scary. Exactly. And I don't know yeah. why. It's a really funny thing. <laughs> Do you know well, I mean, I might be I might my for my I mean, I have done actually quite a bit in the last couple of years for myself and it's got I've got better at it. But to begin with, because I had a background in newspapers and often the PR um people that we were talking to were just doing massive damage limitation when one of their clients had gone off and done something stupid and was trying to you know limit what was you know obviously we reported the truth as far as possible Mm -hmm. but there was always you know what what can they do to make it so I I think there might be a an element I mean again that's obviously me massively projecting but I, I do wonder if there's an element of PR feels like for the bad times when actually it should be from what you're saying it should be very much just something that is part of your it's it's getting your message out it's actually more about communications than about managing disasters yeah exactly I mean I think for for big organizations there's going to be a big element of crisis management in there as you say and I suppose this is the thing right we've all seen those car crash interviews where they get some CEO with a hard-headed journalist who really puts him through his paces and that you know that does happen there are those types of journalists and there are those types of interviews but for business owners like ourselves that have a small business they're just trying to get a bit of publicity usually you were kind of asking about whether it should be a regular thing or maybe a spike of activity probably a little bit of both I think it's nice to have a drumbeat of activity because PR is all adding to your awareness raising but also your credibility as well so mm. if you suddenly have a huge spike of activity because you've had a big product launch for example that's brilliant but if that's the first time anyone's ever heard of you you're going to have to work harder to convert those leads whereas if you've been popping up in places here and there and people are familiar with you they already trust you by the time they see that spike mm-hmm. um but yeah, that for, makes so much sense, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think for small business owners or freelancers, on the whole, journalists aren't trying to trip us up. They're not trying to get us into that situation that you see with, you know, the head of British Gas being interviewed about the energy crisis. Of course, it's <laughs> going to be a really tough interview. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, I think yeah, that that crisis management isn't something that you'd necessarily have to worry about too much obviously you know with any type of external comms you've always got to be aware of what you're putting out there um but yeah if you're being honest and transparent and you know following your kind of moral code and your ethics as again you know all of us would be doing anyway Mm. it's not something i think that should be a huge worry and a huge concern because at the end of the day and certainly i guess it shouldn't shouldn't put us off trying to you know contact journalists and, and get ourselves out there we shouldn't be worrying about the the potential disaster that hasn't happened yet i feel like that's that's maybe where a lot of entrepreneurs are yeah i Sorry, think I you're so right zoom had a moment no 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 i think you're so right because it is that yeah you worry about all the potential negative mm. things of speaking mm-hmm. with a journalist and you kind of forget that at the end of the day they're just a person trying to do their job. You know, they're trying to get their story. And if you're thinking about, and this is kind of the other thing that I try and help my clients uh, understand and reframe is thinking about what does the journalist that you're approaching need to get their job done and how can I help them with that? So it might be that they're writing a feature that, hopefully my target audience are going to be reading and I've got some really interesting stats or insights or comment that's going to add real value if you're thinking about it in this way and you're engaging with the journalist in a way that you're helping them get their job done in a kind of you know timely and efficient manner rather than just thinking I want you to write about me this is my key message Mm. then you're going to have a really you know much more productive relationship with those journalists um and that can be a really long-term relationship as well. You know, once people know that you're a good source, that you're reliable, that you're not going to take 10 emails to something, you know, that you could have told them in one email. They don't one. have to keep mm-hmm. coming back with all those questions and stuff. Um, and they know you're great to work with. It's like any business relationship, right? They're going to remember you. They're going to come back to you. 
um, and things like that can snowball because then maybe the first 10, 20 times, whatever, you're approaching them saying, oh, I saw on Twitter that you're doing a piece on this and I've got a little comment and they might not use it the first time or the first few times or whatever. And then maybe on your seventh or eighth or tenth try, maybe on your first try if you're lucky, who knows, you know, they might use it. And over time, you might not see that tweet, but they might remember you and email you and say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm writing this and I know that you were always able to provide helpful comment about X, Y, Z. Have you got a short you know, paragraph mm. you could send me? Are you able to jump on the phone? Whatever it might be. So, yeah, for me, it's all about building relationships, mm. um, which I think, again, makes it feel a little bit less scary you're just work, yeah. you know, working just like you together. say to make, making it very human which is lovely actually because it is it is something i think that people feel quite um i don't know i think it's also maybe the <laughs> there's so much um rejection in business as it is um that i think that sometimes i think people feel they don't want to approach because it's almost guaranteed that you won't get coverage on your first like you say your first few you might if it's you know but but you probably won't and that's because you are building relationship and that's cool um but I think that can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming and actually I think the other thing I'd quite like to pick up is that um so I'm very lucky that although I'm a photographer I was a writer first and I can write and I I know and I've worked in marketing and I you know you guys that what you do to to write for people both of you and um, obviously lovely Estelle who came to us as well um I think sometimes people are put off because they don't they're put off approaching because they don't know if they're saying the right things Mm mm-hmm they don't know if they're saying the right things in the right way. And so I think just, yeah, just picking up that, you know, having having an actual copywriter might, might be a really good thing. For, for well, I, also, I, I love that I, you combine the two, but yeah. Go yeah, on. I want so. to add to that in, in that when you talk about saying the right things, as, again, as someone who doesn't, has never really delved into this idea of, of, of um, PR and, and, and this kind of, this, this part of a marketing strategy. God, I'm really struggling with words today. I do apologise. <laughs> Our um, hashtag is can't words for shit for exactly a yeah totally um it, this idea of of approaching people to like to make comments and things that i'm so i'm probably one of those people who probably thinks do i actually have anything worthwhile to say you know is, am i can i actually contribute um which i'm sure i'm probably not the only person who thinks that have you got any kind of hints tips for people who want to kind of branch out into you know into um make you know adding to adding to the the uh, uh what's the word the conversation um yeah, yeah what like, but who feel like they don't really have anything to add what what's what what would you sort of say to them i mean i would probably say a that's super common I think mm. I feel like that as well. I think okay. everyone when, well, you know, when, you're lo- <laughs> when you're looking at your own situation, you're thinking, well, I don't have anything interesting to say. Mm. And then you chat to other people and, you know, there might be elements of your journey or your expertise. You know, I know for me, I've been doing PR for basically longer than I can remember now. So I don't really think it's that interesting in terms of, you know, a topic of conversation but obviously, when you speak to other freelancers who don't do PR, like us, who don't understand PR, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I've, you know, that's what I do with my little kind of one-off consultancies, mm. is actually for me realizing that it's really interesting and it's really useful because people just you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. So I think having a look at your own business or your skill set and having a think about you know, how do you add value to your clients or to your network? Because that's probably a really good starting point, right? You know, you're the expert in what you do. And there's going to be someone that's going to want to learn about that, whether it be people in the same sector, but with a different job role or people in a different sector or, you know, whatever that might be. Or just maybe, you know, have you got a friendly a freelance friend or you know just a mate that you can chat to and kind of talk about the different elements of your business and see which ones are they most intrigued and excited Mm. by and maybe that gives you a starting point to think of what you can focus on what you can talk about and also what are you passionate about because that's Mm. gonna really shine through Mm. in interviews Mm -hmm. as well I think you hit the nail on the head there as well about like 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 you said 
about how you know talking about PR is a bit like oh okay you know but for people who are Cara and I, I'm, I'm waving at both of us here. We're just like, oh yes, because we, we this is something very new to us. Or so yeah. actually, yes, yeah, actually by the same token, then I suppose things that I think, oh good grief, I'm talking about this all the time. This is so boring. Other people are probably thinking, oh actually, this is interesting. Keep talking to me, you know. Mm, and re- reframing that is very is very. It, and I, I guess as well, way. actually, that it's sort of to go back to what you said earlier about you know um, industry jargon and, and simplifying that. I guess there's a link there as well, and that not that I think we're necessarily talking to. Well, hopefully we're not talking to ourselves in jargon because that would be sad. <laughs> but <laughs> you never know. Um, but I feel maybe there's something there about because we are dealing with things every day. Um, we don't see it as not even necessarily interesting I, I, I love everything I do is is fairly interesting but I don't necessarily see it as newsworthy because I'm literally doing mm, it every day yeah whereas for other people that maybe isn't the case and, and there is that so it's like it's bringing the story out as well isn't it I suppose and and, and seeing it through fresh eyes which I really like yeah that, absolutely that and I mean frame. you know PR like all other communications it's storytelling as you say mm. it's bringing that story out and what are people going to want to hear about and what are they going to want to engage with um and another thing as well that you can think about and I know I've touched on already kind of thinking about things from a journalist's point of view um but you can even take a look at hashtag journo requested on twitter mm-hmm. uh or sorry journo hashtag journo requests on twitter okay. um and help a reporter out as well which I think is more in the states uh but sometimes oh, yeah. I think there is a UK I have no, actually I signed, signed up, up to that, that recently yeah we, there is a there is a UK list for that actually which didn't used to have but there definitely is one it's oh, not brilliant. as big but it does come around for just UK which is quite nice which we've got for ink drops I think I mean yeah. I don't do very much with it my business partner deals with that and Carla we need a pretty graphic or whatever and I just deal with it but yeah so um, but no there's definitely a UK based version of that now which is but, really yeah, good so and those would, can like, be one list yeah yeah those can be great ways of following um, following those to see you know, what are journalists actually looking for? Mm. So, for example, I've got a few uh, columns set up on my tweet deck. So with journal request and sustainability, journal request and probably case studies at the moment because I'm doing a lot of real life work with one of my clients. So you can set those up with, you know, it might be journal requests and writing or journal request photography. And that can help you start to see what do the media want when they're looking for information or pictures or whatever for their articles okay there might be an element of photography that they're you know asking for tips about and things like that that can give you um a bit of a steer as well Mm -hmm. that's really useful yeah definitely Mm, definitely we'll link all of those things if you guys are listening if you head to the show notes we will put those in the show notes so I literally made a note to put them in so. <laughs> excellent lovely so i feel like i we need to ask the, the question don't we carla really <laughs> with we do. this I'm, I'm loving the all everything you've shared so far has been absolutely fantastic and also hearing about your journey but one of the questions we love to hear uh, we'd love to get uh, to ask people and to hear your your thoughts on is what has been your most glorious moment so far in this whole journey i mean it's not going to surprise you that it was <laughs> leaving London and moving out to Mozambique. Oh, and yes. Working. I was super lucky that the marine conservation organisation that I was volunteering with for, I was there for about eight months the first time. I've been back quite a few times since then. Um, and I was looking after their communications. But because I ticked various boxes in terms of my scuba diving qualifications I had my own gear I had my own camera they actually trained me up as a research assistant so when the actual researchers were taking their weekends off I would go out on the boat take the GPS take my camera and basically be taking a load of information about what we were seeing in the water that all goes into the databases to help them learn about populations of whales sharks and manta rays and I learned more than I ever thought I'd know about plankton turns out (laughs) plankton's really cool (laughs) Um, this this all sounds it sounds like um like not quite real but you know it sounds like you're getting to live this lovely dream it's wonderful 
Yeah, it was it was amazing. And I think what was really special was, you know, I was office based. Well, kind of, I think we did eight till five. So, you know, five days a week in the office. But I did manage to get into the field and really experience what it's like for the scientists. What are they doing? Really live the work. And I was also going out into the community a little bit as well um, to kind of shadow and learn about the alternative livelihoods work they were doing with the communities, helping them find other ways of bringing money in that weren't related to fishing. Um, And it was just, yeah, really fascinating to see how the organization works, what they're doing, and obviously, you know, being in the water with manta rays and yeah oh, and i mean like, yes it's the water oh. the water bit that oh. so can i have a follow-on question yes. which well sort of follow-on <laughs> where is your favorite place to dive do you have a favorite or is it is it just because i know even if you dive in the same place constantly it's always going to be completely different every time isn't it so, but do you have a favorite do you have a yeah place? so this is a question that could go on for days <laughs> i am so on, on board for that i'm all good <laughs> i i think tofu which is in mozambique where i was based um it's a little beach town in the inyamban province that has a very special place because i was based there i saw my first manta ray there i mm. saw my first whale shark there oh, um i saw just further up the coast in Morangulo a couple of months ago when I was visiting I was swimming with a humpback whale and her <gasps> baby oh which oh my god still lives in my head rent free it's just oh, absolutely yeah. incredible. She right. She right that's amazing that is incredible. Um, and it's yeah so that's this amazing place super challenging diving currents can be pretty strong lots of swell visibility can be rubbish but when it's good it's amazing sounds so worth it yeah Yeah. Um, sounds incredible but yeah I think for me the great thing about scuba is that every destination offers something slightly different you know the Red Sea you have clear waters and it's super warm and this amazing coral and lots of fish um I went to Malapascua in the Philippines which was another one that's right at the top of my list it's one of the few places in the world that you can see thresher sharks oh wow and those are the ones um they look like if you told a child to draw a friendly shark they would draw a thresher shark they have these big <laughs> eyes and these little i'm not going to google it now mouth, but i am going to have to google it when <laughs> to google we finish it. <laughs> i'm curious now yeah That's and they have, you have to yeah tell me afterwards what you think and they have these enormous tails so their tail is as long as their body wow. and they use their tail like a whip to catch their to basically to stun their prey before they go and catch them and they are oh that's clever absolutely incredible and that yeah that was another place that again proper pinch myself moment you know hovering on a reef and just seeing these guys come past you with their their cute little mouths and just swimming about (laughs) and oh yeah that was an incredible place as well Oh, amazing. So I can sit here listening to this all day. It's wonderful. I know, me too. So where are you based now? Are you... So I'm in the UK right now. I've just got back from two months in Mozambique. It was the first time I've been back since the pandemic. So it was uh, really nice to get back, to get back in the water. It was the longest time I've been without diving as well since I certified. And, you know, see my friends and meet new babies and all that kind of stuff as well definitely yeah Um, that's amazing but yeah now back in the uk um i'm currently in sussex so i've got a little bit of can see the sea down the road a little bit do you do you dive in the uk or do you save that for places where there are really cool because we do i mean you know we have an amazing coastline but it's not it's not quite the same as what you've been describing is it yes i (laughs) it's cold as well i have been diving in the uk I'm a massive wimp and it's really cold here. <laughs> High five, me too. Everyone's like, oh, you're a mermaid, you just swim all year round. I'm like, no, I swim for two months in the summer and then that's it, I'm done. Yeah. I'm good. I'm no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, my no, husband's I'm, I'm exactly the same way though. He's he's dived in like Malta and uh, Egypt is the only few places he's done so far. We now live on some beautiful coastline with like humpbacks and orcas. and But he's like, no, there's no way. It's far too cold up here. <laughs> oh, no, it's cold where you are, Sarah. I wouldn't. No, 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 no. He'd need to, he, he, he has talked about maybe going and doing 
some additional training so that he can do with the dry suit and everything. But yeah, um, yeah, he's. I, th I think he's wimping out of it a little bit as well about that. So. <laughs> that yeah. does make me feel better though melissa because you you are much more intrepid in diving <laughs> adventures than i am so i feel like i'm now justified in not um so i'm part of a cold water swimming group and it's it's lovely while swimming but um yeah i think there's always that element of are you coming carl and no no not till next not ne next year now no i think yeah maybe <laughs> the lure weird. of orcas would would persuade me but um no yes I'd... yes ditto but yeah. um yeah not so much not so much there <laughs> are some brilliant shipwrecks in the uk but yeah, it's super cold. And I, mm. I do have my dry suit qualification, but they're really clunky and awkward and it's not it's not nice diving. So so uh, obviously thinking about time as well, but um, can we ask another kind of your journey related type question? Yes. Um, it, it's kind of on the opposite side of the glorious thing. It's, it, people always wonder why we kind of go towards the negative. However, I feel like, well, we both feel like people don't talk about their struggles often enough and it's good to share mm -hmm. these things so can you tell us about like what you've actually struggled with the most in, in in everything that you've been doing yeah so I went freelance about 18 months ago and it had always been a side hustle before that point I'd you know had some kind of employment and then was doing bits and pieces on the side but yeah Running your own business or being a freelancer, God, it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lot to do. There's a lot to think about. Um, and I do love it. But I think one of the things for me that I'm kind of still practicing and learning is the work-life balance, having boundaries mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, being able to do what you need to do and then switch off. And I think when I started, there was so much talk about, you know, the peaks and troughs of freelance life that when work was coming in, I was just, you know, taking everything that was a good fit. You know, I wasn't doing completely random stuff, yeah. but maybe not necessarily thinking with an abundance mindset in the sense of like, okay, it's going to, you know, it's going to be fine. I don't need to cram my whole month with work because that's partly why we're freelance, right? Being able to manage our own time and prioritize if your dad's gone into hospital or you want to have a cup of tea with your friend or whatever it might be. Mm. And that's something that, as I say, it's having a background in agency life, which is kind of work hard play a bit work harder yeah um you know is something that I'm definitely learning to switch off but it was very ingrained in most of my career um so yeah that's something that I'm still working on and sometimes can be a bit of a struggle especially when you're you know if you're worried about you've not got as many contracts lined up as you think you should do or whatever it is um, so being able to take that step back and take a breath and, you know, say, actually, I'm going to go to my yoga class because I run my own business and that's what I want to do right now. Um, and I, do you know what? I think actually that's there's a very well articulated um, struggle that I, I, I think every even if people don't admit to it, I am fairly sure that every oh, yes. single person who is self-employed has that because also your to do list is never done. So there is a point where you have to like you say say do you know what I'm going anyway I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to take this time anyway because because the to-do list isn't you're never going to get to the end of it because by the time you do 50 more things will have been added to it and there's all the things to juggle and you are juggling all the hats so no I think that's a very very relatable struggle um and thank you for sharing um, thank you yes but yes I think, and very as I say well articulated in the like you know you learn kind of I, I what is interesting there actually which I've not really heard people talk about before but my my little ears have pricked up <laughs> is that your previous so some people find it very hard because they've been in a previous industry where it very much is you go in and you work very hard but when you leave the office either because of confidentiality or the type of business or whatever um you just don't like home it, it, there is a very <coughs> clear split and so some of those people I know who have shifted out really struggle with the fact that you never you take your business everywhere with you mm -hmm. um and but then I, I'm really interested in the 
because you had a, a career that was you know say play hard like work hard play a bit and then keep working hard that that can be quite a hard mindset to shake off can't it as well yeah absolutely and I so, mean yeah. particularly when I was in PR agencies you know a lot of the time my mobile would have been the out of hours number for my clients so you know we depending on the client you might have on-call rotors and all that kind of thing but if you're on the out of hours number your phone has to be nearby because as you say you know a crisis can happen that could be a crisis uh, and they never happen at convenient times do they they? no of course not always always really convenient moments yeah (laughs) so yeah I was definitely and also having you know my some of my agency life at one point I had 13 different clients and a team of six or seven under me so there's always something happening there's you know it's never if one client's got a bit quiet someone else is kicking off with something else so it was yeah very much on your toes just (laughs) always on your toes (laughs) always oh no well thank you for sharing now i think that's that's immensely relatable so yeah Um, and if it's if it's any any comfort like a bit further in i have not cracked that balance yet sometimes i have some sometimes i have and sometimes i really really i think it comes and goes it ebbs and flows doesn't it yeah Yeah, i think so um and again it probably depends on you know what what's going on in the world and your life and actually let's not talk about the world the world's a dumpster fire but um, (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean on the whole in a general general sense um but yeah so conscious of time and also that you've you know shared some amazing um amazing, i've got you painted them the best picture of your your diving experience oh my goodness the most incredible mental so visual yeah absolutely <laughs> um, it's lovely but um before i go off into a little trance of googling uh, various different sharks and all the places that you've mentioned um which probably wouldn't be very interesting on a podcast <laughs> is there anything that you would like to talk about or you wanted to kind of mention or bring up on the podcast that um we haven't talked about we will in a second get you to tell us where you can find you and all of those things but is there anything that you wanted to kind of chat about highlights I don't know so I guess yeah the the only thing to mention is again I've kind of touched on that I do some consultancy sessions for freelancers and small business owners Mm -hmm. you don't have to be a marine conservation organization or a diver but if you want to talk to me about fish then it always helps (laughs) or or a big corporation Um, either yeah exactly but so I do one-off consultancy sessions so the PR power hour I think everyone uses the power hour term these days don't they um and it's a standalone session essentially you fill in a little questionnaire beforehand to talk about your PR experience if you have any what situation you're in what you want to come out from the session with and then we have an hour to really delve into that um and solve as many of your problems as we can um, and come out with a little bit of a strategy and it tends to work really well um, for new people that are new to PR and external comms Mm. to think about some of the questions that you were asking Sarah in terms of you know what should I talk about who should I approach those kind of things um, and then I feel like I would some... benefit well from this power hour, actually. So yeah, and you are awesome. more than welcome. I would love to host one with you. Um... <laughs> yeah, that, that actually, yeah, I think that's that's. And actually, I think the the, the thing I'm just going to highlight from there because all of that sounds amazing, but you don't have to be in marine stuff you don't have to be in the thing you said right at the beginning was like back to the ocean which obviously my mermaid heart was very (laughs) happy about um but that you can do that for and do do that for all kinds of different businesses it's not just so there's a niche but you don't have to be in that niche to take advantage of your incredible um, yeah knowledge yeah my demystifying the the pr and comms because i think it is it's a scary thing like it feels i don't know why it's a scary thing but it is a scary thing so the fact mm. that you're de-scaring it that's not a word de-scarifying is my scarifying we're coming up to halloween maybe we could just <laughs> shove that in as a as, a, as a, a new word um no i think that's really valuable and that's really good really good point to highlight yeah absolutely and i yeah i don't the people i don't work with are mm-hmm. the fossil fuel companies or people Fair. that retain them as clients yep. but yeah otherwise um if you're trying to have a positive impact through your business then i would love to chat to you and see how i can help you as well so 
Love that. Excellent. Sounds like a plan. I feel like that leads on perfectly to t- tell us where we can find you, Melissa. Where, where, where? Tell, tell us all the things. Yes. And I will convert them into links. So don't worry about specific like HTTPS or anything like that. Amazing. So my website is melissahobson.co.uk. So you can find more about me. You can book my Power Hour. You can. I've got some resources on there as well if you want to check any of those out. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as Melissa Hobson. Um, And yeah, if you want to follow probably a few diving pictures and mainly cats and dogs at the moment i'm on mel <laughs> underscore pud on instagram <laughs> excellent i love that that's brilliant we always like we always like a pet instagram as well definitely <laughs> we i think there is actually there's there's some kind of hideous statistic that um cats um cats do better than anything else on instagram so it doesn't really matter whether your clients like your stuff or not <laughs> cat to shove in there very yeah, depressing I don't, but you know it's all good. don't really do any work stuff on instagram but i do bits of pet sitting on the side so there's lots oh, of fabulous you get furry friends oh that's amazing <laughs> i feel like you're living, furry you're living the life i want melissa it sounds fabulous you are living in the dream you are it sounds amazing but yeah thank fabulous. you so much thank for coming you. to join us and I found that very inspiring in lots of ways I was not expecting at all. Mm. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. um, Yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed it too. And um, obviously you guys, if you have, so I will put all the links in the show notes um, and I will try and find some photos of the shark i have to see the shark yes. like a child's drawing. i want a cute shark photo amazing. please yes i want a cute shark photo that is obviously you know with the appropriate copyrights um but if there's anything that you'd like to ask melissa we will put her contact details into the show notes so you can um drop her a note and get in touch and book a power hour because that sounds yeah, like an amazing sounds fabulous yeah thing a thing that we all need actually yeah <laughs> so and, and personalized so but thank you for sharing your knowledge thank and your time you. yeah and your journey thank yeah. you so much it's been fab to chat to you well, I guess we need to wrap up, Carla. This is the bit we're terrible at now, Melissa. I do apologise. Oh, so, <laughs> so many episodes in and we're still bad. But yes, we will see you guys next episode in an amount of time that I will not specify, uh, just in case it all goes tits up like it did last time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love for you to rate us, review us and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Five stars, please. Uh, where can people find us online, Sarah? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Reboot Co. And we also have a Facebook group, which we'd love you to join to come and talk to us about the episodes. Just search for Creative Reboot Group. And you can also go to our website, creativereboot.co, where you can subscribe to our mailing list and get in touch with us if you fancy being a guest or if you have topics you want us to talk about. We'll look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>